States is airdropping food and supplies into Gaza as President Biden attempts to save the extreme left wing of his party. And another CR, when does the GOP take a firm stand on the bankrupting of America? And then Senator Mitch McConnell steps down, and did you see this roundtable hosted by Senator Ron Johnson? Federal health agencies and the COVID cartel, what are they hiding? Well, Senator Johnson is here on the top stories and will tell us what they're hiding. And did you see this story, the hypocrisy, New York, AG, Letitia James, 384,000 plus campaign funds for her lifestyle. Radio host, analyst, Booker Scott is here on that big story. And Patricia Antone will explain why the federal government's obligation to prevent and repel foreign invasion is not a negotiating chip any further. It's all next on Viewpoint this Sunday. the bias, the lies and deceit, and bring forth real talk from real people about real news, providing the out loud truth and capturing the essence of a new generation all in a fast-paced hour. This is Viewpoint This Sunday. Welcome to the Weekend News Magazine, Viewpoint This Sunday. It is Malcolm Out Loud here was an interesting roundtable this week that got uh, my attention and a lot of other folks as well. Uh, was entitled Federal Health Agencies and the COVID Cartel. What are they hiding? It was uh, hosted by Senator Ron Johnson and a terrific group of folks there, experts in their fields. And you know, the question I got thinking about, the what are they hiding? This is something we've all thought about, oh my golly, hundreds of times. We've, we've actually asked that question to ourselves and others. What are they hiding? It became so apparent over the last few years, and we've covered it extensively here on America Out Loud, to be sure. We, we've been ground zero for this kind of talk here. Uh, but this, so this was a very fascinating roundtable. We're going to talk to Senator Johnson about that today, and we're going to get to a, a bunch of other stories right now. And uh, Senator Ron Johnson joins me now. Uh, he has, uh, has an incredible, really, uh, run here in D.C., of course. I want to start with a new story that um, is pretty hot just in the last day or so here, and it just uh, started yesterday on Saturday, where they were, uh, they, uh, the uh, Biden administration uh, has dropped an aid into Gaza, uh, so we, we've got the humanitarian aid going into Gaza. The plans are a lot of supplies, food, whatever. Uh, he said, the president said, we need to do more and the United States will do more. Uh, he was telling reporters that aid flow into Gaza is nowhere nearly enough. Now, the president's been in a very difficult position with this because he's losing a good part of his uh, of, of votes there, as we see uh, from the far left. Uh, the the challenge of what I wonder is anything you drop into Gaza is going to be scoffed up uh, by a terrorist, by the Hamas. Uh, that's just a fact. I mean, they no matter what. And so, you know, it just dawns on me. I, I just wonder how many Americans would agree with this. War is messy business. And when they decided to invade and traumatize uh, the country of Israel, uh, this was the price they paid, sadly. And so I just wonder, how is it 
how is it that we we arm the enemy, we give aid to the enemy, we give humanitarian aid to the enemy? And, and I know they'll say it's to the to the people, what have you, but I, I'm not. Well, can we accept that or do we buy that, actually, is the question? Well, first of all, war is hell. And, you know, I would hope any citizen in the world will stop and consider what has happened in Gaza. You know, what, what the Palestinians did in electing a terrorist organization, Hamas. Uh, continue to support them as they violated the ceasefire in the most horrific and brutal way. And now Israel has the right to defend itself. I often point out that uh, had, a, had a similar terrorist attack occurred in America where the same percentage of Americans were slaughtered, uh, as you saw in Israel, it would have been close to 50,000 Americans. So you can imagine if that happened here in America, what the public's uh, demand would be of our government in terms of making sure that didn't happen again. And that's really what Israel's face Well, right uh, hold on. Let me ask you something. You bring up a terrific point, and you're, you're exactly spot on with that point you make here. But listen, so if that had happened, and you know Don Whaley could, and it may very well with the way they run the uh, the borders in our nation, sadly, but uh, would we have gone ahead and give humanitarian aid to the people who did that? Well, what we did, what we did when we had 3,000 of our citizens side uh, slaughtered in 9-11 is we uh, invaded Afghanistan and then eventually Iraq. And we really don't talk about the casualties. Now, you know, we, we when we invade, we take things over very quickly and then we do everything we can to build up the society. And that's what we did in Afghanistan because Americans are good people. And by and large, I think, you know, our intentions are good, but we don't oftentimes take a look at really what was the result yeah. of some of our foreign entanglements, but getting back to Hamas, you know, I think most people are, are certainly sympathetic with the, the innocent bystanders. Not every Gazan voted for Hamas. Um, you know, certainly, certainly the children and things, and they've been indoctrinated uh, into horrific ideologies. Um, so you, you know, there's always the desire to help innocent bystanders in, in any war, but you point out the problem there is Hamas still controls Gaza yeah. and any support, any aid, uh, anything you give to into Gaza is going to flow to Hamas first and they'll divvy up probably more for their war effort. So, I mean, the sooner this war can be over, the better. It's going to be a long recovery. It's going to be difficult to, you know, what, what's going to be the governing structure? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but, but Israel didn't cause that. It, it was Hamas. It was the Gazans that brutally attacked Israel. And again, they were always lobbing missiles. Israel turned Gaza over to the Palestinians. They elected Hamas. They continued to harass Israel with the, you know, missiles all the time. And, yeah. and by and large, Israel didn't respond. Every now and again, they would respond. But when something like October 7th happens, a nation has to respond and they have to have the right to respond. Yeah. Uh, you know, the bigger point I'm uh, trying to make, of course, is that uh, much of the decision making coming out of Washington, D.C. is uh, really uh, it's upside down. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, and that gets me to this next story right here, which I know is something you've been very outspoken about. This I'm very certain of because over the years we've discussed it plenty here. But that's another CR, another continuing resolution. This is... Uh, I, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, remarkable, amazing, disastrous. But here's the thing. 
the Republican Party, the GOP, they always run on the fact that no more, no more, no more. We're going to stop that. We're going to stop that. We're going to demand this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And yet they get into power and they never do what they say they're going to do. And they ran on that in the 22 midterms. Now, America is over $34 trillion in debt right now. We're spending $6.2 trillion every year. Uh, uh, revenue uh, is a little under four and a half trillion. We're spending one point seven trillion more than we take in. I mean, we're in bankruptcy mode, is what it is. If 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 a, a banker looked at our assets and liabilities, the only thing that they the the government itself would have is American ingenuity and American innovation and determination. That's the only thing they could have that would convince the banker to give them a loan. But it's all funny money. Uh, the uh, in 24, uh, Senator, the debt payments alone will, will eclipse defense spending for the first time ever at 800 billion. I mean, this is a sad state of affairs. Now, so Speaker uh, uh, Mike Johnson here, who uh, a lot of folks are getting disappointed real quick, uh, but they've gone ahead and they're going along with this charade again, pushing forward with, you know, and there's a lot of nuances here. And I don't want to get too far into the weeds. But what is the general sense of why? I guess the question I'm asking is, is real simple. And it's not it's not a popular question. But when does the GOP take a firm stand on bankrupt in America? When does that happen, Senator? I would say the public demands it. You know, part of the problem we have, Malcolm, listen, I, I think Speaker Johnson is a really good person. I think he's certainly a fiscal conservative. He's got, what, a couple of vote, uh, majority in the House. Yeah. Uh, very difficult for him to govern. He's got, uh, you know, different factions within his conference. So there's a broad spectrum. Yeah. Uh, you've got the defense hawks that you just can never spend enough on defense. And they, they don't want things like continuing resolutions. Remember, Speaker Johnson, as he became speaker, said his preference would just be a full year CI. And that was on top of the, the Tom Massey amendment to the, one of the initial CRs that would have cut spending by 1%. Again, that, that'd be a conservative approach. Speaker Johnson was pretty well stuck with what Speaker McCarthy gave him. Now, McCarthy didn't negotiate a $1.5 trillion increase to debt ceiling. He just suspended it. So we'll have the debt ceiling, ceiling increase by about $4 trillion. So we, we lost the leverage there that McCarthy gave away. So uh, Speaker Johnson really has his hands tied mm -hmm. with a slender majority. And unfortunately, you do have the Uniparty mm -hmm. in Washington, D.C. Yeah. I've heard it famously said, uh, show me one member of Congress that ever lost because they spent too much money. The American, the American public loves the benefits. They love the free money. They just love the federal government funding X, Y, and Z. Trust me, I see it every day. People coming into my office going, well, Senator, this isn't really spending. This is an investment. For every dollar that the federal government spends here, it's, well, we don't have the dollars. That's right. We're mortgaging our children's future. But again, people just ignore that. Most people in Washington, D.C. are just whistling by the graveyard. Yeah. And yeah. I'd say most Americans are as well. So yeah. again, the answer to the question is when the public demands it. When the public but demands. I don't see a great deal of demand for fiscal uh, restraint from the public either. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. No, that's exactly, that's a great point. And you know, it's funny, when you got into office in the very beginning here, this is something you ran on, you were very passionate about, and you've spoken pretty loudly about this topic because you recognize the danger in it. Uh, very much because you come from the private sector and you understand these things are not they're not uh survivable you can't you can't do this long term and they we are mortgaging everything away it's a sad state of affairs um that we're going from tom brokaw's greatest generation to the most screwed up generation there ever was in mankind but that's kind of what i see senator that's happening right now and uh, it's out, it's outrageous. But but I hear you loud and clear. He's dealing with the cards he was dealt. And I do get that. I do get that. But at some point, 
they're going to have to do some very unpopular things and, and they better do it real quickly because they keep doing these CRs and we're getting absolutely nowhere. Which uh, one of the points to the story before we leave it is Ukraine funded, in fact. Um, so, uh, by the way, I don't know if you've seen this or not, uh, but uh, the Associated Press, the AP NORC poll, uh, which is always pretty interesting, U.S. adults fracture along party lines in support for Ukraine military funding. So we know what this is all about without even reading the fine print here. Democrats are more likely to say spend it, go ahead and fund Ukraine, do it all. Public to say not so fast, not so much. So obviously you've been outspoken about this as well, but they've tried to tie it. Let's see here. Um, what the Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan was a $95 billion package. Uh, and uh, Speaker Johnson, this is, was something he did stand firm on now. And uh, he stood strong for this. So, you know, we've got to have our own border security. We see what's happening with crime. I just did a big show on crime. In fact, yesterday on the voice of a nation with the National Police Association and uh, some really top um, law enforcement folks. Uh, what do you say to this Ukraine funding? What is the answer to this, um, you know, this funny money that we're doing in Ukraine? It's a very split, polarizing um, conversation here in America. Well, I think most Americans have a great deal of sympathy for the Ukrainians. I think most Americans view Vladimir Putin as an evil war criminal. And that's how I view it. But uh, you have to first understand that uh, we don't have the money. So I would first ask my Democrat colleagues, well, if, if you think this is a top priority, well, what's a lower priority spending item? I, I would suggest, you know, the, the 400 some billion dollars in green energy boondoggle spending that they passed in a partisan manner that's really going to spend about 1.2 trillion, according to a Goldman Sachs analysis. So you know, rescind some of that spending and at least pay for the Ukraine funding. But, you know, Speaker Johnson is just uh, basically acknowledging what the most most Americans believe is. We better secure our own border first before we spend $60 billion that we don't have helping Ukraine secure theirs, as, as sympathetic as people may be with the people of Ukraine. The other point I've been trying to make for about a year is you have to acknowledge the reality that Vladimir Putin will not lose this war. When, when Chuck Schumer comes out of the White House and says, if they get the $60 billion, Ukraine wins. If they don't, they lose. Um, how are they going to win? This is a bloody stalemate. Russia has four times the population. Uh, they have a much larger industrial base, military industrial base. They're, they can produce four and a half million, 155 or 152 millimeter shells. That's what they're using, about 10,000 a day. The West collectively can only produce about a million. Yeah. Russia produces those at $600 a, a shell. We're, we're paying our military industrial complex 5,000 to 6,000. So, you know, we, I mean, that's a, that's a different subject, but, you know, we ought to be asking some hard questions of where's the 880 some billion dollars we spend annually on defense going? What, why is it for every military action that occurs within an $884 billion mm -hmm. per year military budget, we, we've got to do another supplemental. You know, what, what are we spending this money on? Are, are we spending it strategically? Uh, how, how much is just being completely wasted, uh, you know, feeding the military industrial complex, which Eisenhower warned us about very presciently, by the way. I really recommend your listeners go listen to I, President Eisenhower's farewell address. It's on YouTube. It's only 15 minutes long. Okay. Unbelievably prescient. And of course, we paid no attention to him whatsoever, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll go listen myself and see what we can do to uh 
uh, to to get that out there again. You're right. A lot of things have been said in history and done that it's it's an ideal thing to go back and visit some of those warning signs and things that were said from great leaders prior. Um, you know, the bigger problem, and I know you agree. Yes, Americans are very passionate people. Yes, Americans are very caring people. Yes, uh, Americans will go the extra mile. They are amazing, beautiful people. I love we the people. There's no doubt about it. I mean, no doubt about that. But we're allowing leaders to destroy our nation right now with the infiltration of all the, the criminals, all the things that are happening. I mean, it's unconscionable what's happening right now in our nation. You cannot recognize our country any further. And with all of this goodness, we are we are shooting ourselves in, in, the, in the foot here. Uh, I'd say the head as well, but we are definitely shooting ourselves. And, uh, you know, um, how do you say, uh, Senator? Uh, passion, compassion, uh, all of this has to start at home. And uh, fiscal responsibility has to start at home and security and life savings. So we're not killing our young students when they're walking out there in college, which I had a conversation with my daughter the other day in college. And I talked, I was talking about that in the law enforcement show and told her, no, you can't walk across town anymore. It doesn't matter what time of the day and certainly not eight or nine at night, but even at noontime, it doesn't matter. I said, you can't do it anymore. It's a different world, honey. I said, you you have to. I did a whole show on this. I want to tell people that show is on podcast and it's the state of crime in America. Now, go, go, go listen to that. It was fantastic. Just, just yesterday here. It's on podcast on Sunday. Uh, today, you listen to this. Anyways, um, the point is, uh, if, if we don't start to fix these things, like you say, with our border and our dollars and our other things, it doesn't matter how kind we are. It doesn't matter how good we are. It doesn't matter what we want to do in Gaza, Ukraine, uh, China, uh, the, the Venus, Mars or Jupiter. It doesn't matter, Senator, because we're failing badly. And would you agree with that statement? How free are you if you can't walk the streets alone, if, if you can't ride public transportation, if you can't ride the subway, I thought, you know, Tucker Carlson, which I thought was a fantastic interview with Putin, uh, was highly criticized for it, yeah. uh, just doing his job, being a journalist, you know, showing America, this is, agree or disagree with Putin, this is what he thinks, you ought to know that. But he also did a segment, he went down to the Moscow subway system, you know, something at least 70 years old, Joseph Stalin built it. It looks like a cathedral. I mean, it's just so well maintained. And again, you have to ask, you know, Muscovites can obviously ride that system probably without not much fear. Can you do that in New York? Can you do that in Washington, D.C.? Um, you know, we are we are we're we're all frogs in a pot of water here, yeah. Malcolm. And, and, and the, the water is coming to a boil. Yeah. And so many of our fellow citizens don't even understand. Let me just quick go back to the. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the Eisenhower speech, you warned us about four things, you know, famously the military industrial complex, which we have not controlled, which has driven so many foreign entanglements that you have to go look back and go, well, was that a very good result? He warned us about funding of research, science and research that would create a scientific and technological elite that would drive policy. Well, what's what we witnessed during the pandemic? He, he warned us not to plunder our children's future. We talked about that earlier. He spent the least amount of time, but I think it's maybe the most important warning is we cannot allow global society to descend into a state of dreadful fear and hate. That's profound warning, fear. That's what the left uses on climate change, on the pandemic, on, you know, the domino effect in Vietnam or, or, you know, Russia. Listen, again, Vladimir Putin's an evil war criminal. Russians aren't evil. You know, the Chinese people aren't evil. Most Iranians aren't evil. 
again, we, we are allowing ourselves to be driven to hate and to fear. And then that drives policy and that causes war. Um, and that, that was kind of my point on Ukraine is this, this thing has to end. Or about 600,000 casualties, you know, more than 100,000 dead on both sides, 400 to a trillion dollars of economic devastation. The only way this war ends is in a negotiated settlement. And so my, my concern is why would we want to send $60 billion more to fuel the flames of a bloody stalemate? It, it just makes no sense. There is, there is no strategy for Ukraine to win because they can't. Vladimir Putin, he's got nuclear weapons. His back's up against the wall. He would use them. Is that what we want to push him into? He has actually made those. He's actually made those statements again this week here again, warning the West to back off and knock it off because there's talk about some of the European countries and others sending, uh, you know, uh, feet on the ground there, uh, soldiers into uh, that area. And he warned them again. Uh, You're exactly right. Your point. I don't think they're thinking logically. Uh, because when your back is to the wall, that you do some irrational things. I mean, he's doing irrational things even without that, but uh, we know he's a problem. They're all a problem. We, ca- we can't even fix our own country. How are we going to fix the world is the bigger point here. Until we fix our own country and get our own house in order, we ought to stop being so nasty with everybody else around the world, whoever they may be, because we're doing some really bad decision-making here uh, and what you just said about Eisenhower and those points—that's that's fantastic. That is something I'm, I'm going to jump on. That that is that is awesome. Glad you brought that out. Uh, listen, talking about leadership here, uh, Mitch McConnell retiring or stepping down or whatever. But this is kind of a mixed story because a lot of people think he's retiring, he's leaving. Now he just turned 82, uh, and he's had some challenges in front of the mic. We've seen in front of the camera in over this past year or so, multiple times. Um, he's the longest serving party leader in Senate history in that particular role, but his he runs his term runs longer. And so I'm, I'm not sure he's not leaving right away. He's just stepping down from that role. Is that correct? Number one. And I, I like your message you put out there in media. Uh, you say his decision to step down from his leadership position in November gives us an opportunity. That is for sure. Now, if you could get Schumer to get out of there as well, that'd be a hell of an opportunity to get Schumer and McConnell out of there. I'll, I'll give you a couple of points for that. Uh, anyways, just being a wise guy, I guess. But that would be good. Uh, so what do you say to, uh, so what is it? He's still going to be there, right? He's going to finish out his term, right? That's what he's saying. Um, okay. he, he suffered a very serious head injury and he's actually recovered from it to, to a great extent. So we, we appreciate that. And I think most conservatives definitely appreciate the stance he took yeah. when Scalia tragically died and he said, let's let the American people decide the direction of the court. And they did. Yeah. And we have a conservative court as a result. Amen. Um, He's never been a strong fiscal conservative that I've witnessed. When he became leader, mm-hmm. we were less than $10 trillion in debt. Now we're $35 trillion. So yeah. you know, I come from the private sector, Malcolm. You know, yeah. Any successful organization has to have you know, a vision and a mission statement. They, they, the organization needs to know what it's about. And it has to establish goals. And everybody in that uh, organization has to understand their role in achieving the mission and achieving those goals. Yeah. That's not what Congress is like. I mean, I, <laughs> You know, I come from the business world where you have functioning organizations. Congress is completely dysfunctional, partly because we don't have those mission statements. We, we don't have the, we don't set those goals. We, we don't understand how to, how to use the talent within our, our conference and, and assign tasks properly. 
to give them to people who are qualified to do it. So, you know, I, I want to see our conference with a completely different governing model than what we've had under McConnell, far more collaborative, far more organized, but it starts with a process and I'm driving this process to establish that mission statement. So everybody knows, you know, if you're part of the Republican conference in the Senate, this is what we're all about. You know, we, we have principles we list. The first one is about limiting government and cutting de deficit spending. And then we have members of our con conference go ahead and vote for earmarks for the first time a couple of years ago, even yeah. though it was a conversation to oppose them, you know, the gateway drug deficit spending. So yeah. we've got to get our act together. We, we need a different governing model. And I, we yeah. just got to go through a process. The last thing I want to see is an immediate beauty contest, you know, popularity contest and pick a new leader. You know, let's go through that thoughtful process and hopefully leaders will emerge helping us develop that mission statement, helping us develop those goals committed to achieving that under a far more collaborative uh, governing model in the conference. Listen, I, I know there are several people trying to step in and put their name in the hat uh, to be the uh, the uh, leader there in the conference. What about yourself? I mean, nobody's, uh, as far as being a, a conservative constitutionalist and somebody who's got their uh, uh, the right hat on here, um, you, you'd be a marvelous leader of the Senate. Um, no, any chance of that? Well, again, I want to go through this process, and I'm hoping the leader emerges from that process. I'm, I'm leading the process. Oh, you uh, are leading state, the process. You are. You're. You're. Li oh, fantastic! I'm, I'm kind of the kid that points out the the king has no clothes, right? Okay. Uh, that, that, that kid's not real popular, right? I mean, I, I continually in the conference just point out failure. Okay, okay. You, you guys, you pat yourself on the back on this, but have you? You're ignoring the failure here, and you can't ignore the failure because. By not acknowledging it, you never correct it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. probably not the most popular guy in conference because I just yeah, no, no. force people to recognize the truth and recognize reality. And that's not a popular thing. Let's talk about this uh, fantastic uh, roundtable, please. Uh, federal health agencies and the COVID cartel. What are they hiding? Uh, and um, all right. So you, you said here, I, I like this quote. You said someone needs to make them pay and we need safeguards to so that this doesn't happen again. Well, that was a quote, quotable quote right there. And you had some terrific medical experts, political figures, journalists, whistleblowers. You had all kinds of folks on here. Uh, I was a terrific uh, conversations, uh, really exposing the big pharma, the, the federal health agencies, the corrupt, disgusting uh, oh, media, which is sickening. A big tech uh, censorship cover-ups. It was pretty big. Are you happy with the results? And what did you find out they are hiding? Well, I really am, and I think the the title pretty well said it all. Said it all. The COVID cartel, federal health agencies, and the COVID cartel. What are they hiding? I thought Brett Weinstein, who's not you know not naturally conservative, he, he's a patriot, and he he uh, offered to be part of the panel, and, and he answered that question. Is when you look at it, you know, what are they hiding? They're hiding everything. And you know, I had, we had other. Uh, speakers basically say the same thing and it'd be it'd be a so much shorter panel if we just discuss what they're not hiding and so you know like my other panels we really focus on the more medical aspects you know my my january or my covid 19 a, a second opinion panel in january 2022 and then the, in december that year we had one more focus on the vaccines you know what they are you know how, how they work how they could cause harm uh, this one was really more about how did this happen you know, how, how have they been able to, to cover things up? How long have they been covering things up for? Yeah. And so it really, we just had a, a fabulous group of speakers. I was fortunate enough to have uh, you know, Robert Malone uh, was part of this uh, international crisis summit. They've held events in Italy, Romania, and they actually held an event at, I, or at CPAC 
that weekend. So we had a lot of these people in town. So I took advantage of that. And yeah, but I, but I also invited people like uh, Barbara Lowe Fisher, who as a mom back in the eighties had a vaccinated your child. And you know, she, she was the force behind the vaccine childhood uh, compensation act, which did not relieve uh, vaccine manufacturers liability. That law was gutted by congressional amendments and, and administrative action. She talks about that. So again, it was just a, it was a, Excellent panel. The, the full four-hour panel is available on our Rumble page, also on, on you know, other outlets. Uh, yeah. I've got a 14-minute highlight reel uh, yeah. that yeah. just posted uh, yesterday on on Twitter. So, like, so, some of these things, like Corey's, you know, Dr. Corey, his uh, tweet is up to about 1.6 million views. Uh, Lara Logan, who did an extraordinary job, she's, she's great. She's great. Views. Yeah. Um, Ed Dowd, I think, is about 1.3. As he just goes through. Just yeah. the numbers, you know, excess deaths, excess disability. So there again, yeah. it was it was information packed. Yeah, and uh, you almost have to watch the full four. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, Laura Logan is fantastic. She's really good. Class act. Cheryl Atkinson, class act. When I think of top journalists, both of those names come immediately to my mind. Uh, not a lot of them out there uh, of that caliber, but they are uh, certainly uh, top top folks. I, I appreciate them very much. Uh, when it was asked, what are they hiding? You put out in media, Fauci's emails for one. I love that. And I know listeners would love this as well, which is why I share it. You said HHSGov refuses to release the last 50 pages unredacted. Do you think they contain embarrassing or incriminating information? Uh, we pay their salary, we fund their agencies, their federal records. American people have a right to see them. Uh, but the truth is being hidden. Uh, this post, uh, there's a post on AmericaOutloud.news uh, today, as you see this, friends, uh, from Dr. Peter McCullough uh, and, and myself. We did a show on this, actually, uh, Dr. McCullough and I did on America Out Loud Pulse, uh, which plays weekdays at five, as you know, and um, the COVID cartel. So what are they hiding? U.S. Senate panel investigates and Q&A 104. It's right there. And there's a link to that 14-minute amazing uh, clips that you'll want to see right in there and some other great details and questions from listeners and all that uh, that come into the Q&A. So, anyways, pretty good stuff. Senator Johnson, we maxed this time out best we could, and you're, you're terrific. Uh, we really, really, truly appreciate your, uh, your insights and, um, and your honesty always. And uh, thank you for joining us here on Viewpoint this Sunday, sir. Thanks for everything you do. God bless you. God bless you, sir. That's uh, Senator Ron Johnson, friends. And um, what a great talk. And uh, so appreciate his work that he does up there. And is a representative uh, uh, of, uh, I think, top caliber. And I, I have to put that out there and say what is factual, what is true. So uh, listen, it's all back at AmericaOutloud.news. We're fighting every hour of every day, working hard uh, to, get, to get the truth and to put the ship back on the water straight. We need your help to share the out loud truth. Please go to the site. We have best in class, medical doctors, naturopathic doctors, engineers, scientists, military generals, uh, great military folks, great political people, you name it. It's all here at AmericaOutloud.news. You love your country and you love freedom, liberty and justice for all. Share the out loud truth. Okay, we're going to continue the program in just moments here. We'll take a pause. And we just see you're just on the other side. Some really striking conversation coming up from some people you'll want to hear. Stay right there. More Viewpoint in just a minute. The America Out Loud talk radio app is on Android or Apple. It's the perfect way to listen in to the new generation of talk shows and hosts who are ready to inform and inspire. 
cholesterol, blood pressure, blood sugar, inflammation, and weight. These are all real-world problems that 87% of Americans are struggling with. Fight back with Heal Right. Heal Right is a bar you eat, but it's food as medicine that addresses the nutritional root cause of health issues in just eight weeks. Take action today. Visit HealRight.com OutLoud or AmericaOutloud.shop and use the code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Who's got time for a nasal invasion messing up your lifestyle? Crush those nasties before they become a problem. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order with the coupon code OUTLOUD, you'll receive 20% off the entire purchase. Go to AmericaOutloud.shop. That's AmericaOutloud.shop and use coupon code OUTLOUD. Use Cofix RX because it works. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Lifestyle changes are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support cholesterol and blood pressure with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Well, the year 2024 must be the year of the Patriot and AmericaOutloud.news will equip you with all the information you need to give new meaning to the words Patriot Act. For our actions always ultimately define our words. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Just today, earlier today, my wife wasn't feeling well with a little bit of throat, no, something going on. She'd been traveling, she works in healthcare herself, and she was I'm not feeling well. And right away, we get it, get the healthy cell out, we get some of the wellness company stuff out, get the cold fix. I mean, come on now, and douse it all, give it to her, and light it up. In other words, stay in front of these things, stay ahead of the curve, and you'll feel better. Uh, real fast, one of the new products I want you to look at and try, if you go to americaoutloud.news, it is the featured offer, which is Heal Right. Heal Right. My golly, I love this product. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, high blood sugar, chronic inflammation, high cholesterol, overweight, any of these things. It's a little bar, very small, marvelous. And you eat this instead of pills. Everybody hates pills. I hate pills too, if I can help it. You know, that's why I like healthy cell because they're micro gels. You just... It's, uh, you know, you put it in your mouth, it's gone. But anyways, I love this product, Heal Right. And they come in lemon blueberry, chocolate pomegranate, uh, fig and apple, peanut butter. I mean, four flavors, and they are kick-ass. Amazing. Uh, but you get 20% off. Uh, use, use the code out loud again. Do your research. There's some great studies in here and information, and check it out. I think you'll love the product. I love it. My, my college kids love it. They're, ta- they're taking it, and you just feel good. And it just keeps you on top of the game, friends. And that's where we need to be here. Interesting story this past week that uh, was released and uh, it's been uh, really gaining traction on AmericaOutloud.news. And it's about Letitia James uh, out of New York. You know, a lot of these people, they love to throw stones and rocks, but they live in the biggest glass houses there could possibly be. Here's another one. 
Booker Scott joins me right now, and Booker is, uh, he's the main main figure, I would say. And truth be told, with Booker Scott, a fantastic broadcast, 6 p.m. in the primetime spot on America Out Loud, talk radio. Uh, be, be listening to that program every day. Shut the rest of the garbage off and listen to the broadcast, please. And his write-ins are amazing. And so this one here... Uh, Booker, the hypocrisy, New York Attorney General Letitia James, 384,000. We're talking, let's just round this at 400,000 smackaroos, uh, campaign funds for her lifestyle. Now, this is unbelievable. I mean, if you or I did this, I mean, you know, they'd slap us in the town square and lock us up somewhere. I mean, in 23 alone, just 23. Let's listen to this. And then you tell me what's wrong with this picture. She spends over $28,500 on fancy luxury Amazing hotels. Over fifteen thousand are are were uh, in uh, hotels in Puerto Rico. Uh, then there's the airfare and the five years she's been at the New York State Attorney General. She spent over eighty four thousand dollars to airfare to fly all over the country. Private jet rentals, twenty thousand a year for meals. Who the hell eats twenty thousand dollars a year for meals for food? I mean, come on, you know. So, uh, all right, Booker, what's um. So what's how did this? Oh, this was released with a guy, uh, a, a lady who this political side. This who who released this information initially? Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, thank you, Malcolm, for having me. And it was Mel Witte, who is a political scientist, That's small right. business owner in North Carolina, and she did great work in doing this research. And the thing that really pops about the hypocrisy when you look at it, when you read this article, and, and if you listen to the show, she goes into greater detail in each one of these. But in one night... Letitia James spent $700 at a steakhouse, and this week she is suing the largest beef company in the country. The hypocrisy just slaps us in the face, and I think that's the part that really bothers most Americans. $700 at a steakhouse. One, one night. Uh, did, did that must include have been a whole cow. Did that include wine, do you know, and the whole cow, I wonder? I don't know. I'm just yeah, asking. I'm sure it did. I hope but it was a nice bottle. She isn't staying at La Quinta's or Motel 6, you know, nah. for spending that kind of money. But right. the hypocrisy, I think, is what really bothers American people. And really, when you look That's into right. this even greater, because in the show, uh, Mel looks at all politicians, not just Democrats. Exactly. Uh, she brings up Tim Scott of South Carolina, who I happen to love, and I think he would be a great running mate for uh, Donald Trump. But just as an example, in a race that he had, he had $38 million in his coffers. His competition had 200000 And unfortunately, this money is available to politicians for the rest of their life. And uh, so they, they supplement their income, their lifestyles by running for office. And really what that does is it keeps us, the people, from having our government. Because once they become in the establishment yeah. with all of this money, then we don't really have an opportunity. We don't have a chance. And I think uh, at the conclusion of that article, I threw in there that isn't it time for election and campaign reform. And until yeah. we get that, it's going to be tough to get the country back. You know, people, you know, book, I got to tell you, I think you and I are in the wrong business. Right. <laughs> what business should we be in? Because I, I don't, I'm still looking. Yeah, well, it looks like political political riffraff, I guess you call it. I don't know. You're, I, you're right. I, I said the same thing to Mel wow, uh, when wow. she was on the show. I was like, we 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 are in the wrong business. We should have been in politics. 
Now, tell me about uh, one of the interesting pieces to come out of that this uh, show you did in the article on AmericaOutloud.news is uh, the ghost donors. Tell us about ghost donors, please. Yeah, and I would encourage people also to go to electionwatch.info. Uh, Peter Bergner, Bernegger and his team have been working on this for years. And in fact, if you remember James O'Keefe, he did a piece yeah. on this where he was knocking on doors. I think it was last fall, maybe last summer, of these people that were ghost donors. So maybe these people gave a donation sometime along the way. Uh, but uh, they didn't give, continue to give. So uh, money comes from Act Blue, which is a Democrat operative. And um, and then we'll take a, a use an example that's in this article of Suzanne, who happens to live in Sioux Falls. And she literally gave thousands of times and they're in small $20 denominations so that it doesn't bring attention. So they find these, typically they are older people, uh, 65, 70, 75 years old, that maybe gave one time. And then you'll see that these they become ghost donors without even knowing that they are the uh, ghost donor. And they start contributing to campaigns like, in this case, Letitia James, over and over and over again. Yeah, she was on there how many times? Like a, It was a boatload. Yeah, it was 3,232 wow. individual donations yeah, uh, this, in this 2022. Is, this is called funny money is what this is. It, yeah, exactly. No. And in, in this example, she donated $46,193 in one yeah. year. Yeah. This is a 65-year-old lady who lives in a modest home in Sioux Falls. Wow. And, and another example was a lady named uh, Deborah from Maryland who had given $70,000. Yeah. And again, she's 71 years old. So I kind of joked with Mel when we were doing the show, they they become ghost donors and then they die and they become voters for the Democrats. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, this is I mean, it's a it's a it's a communist regime, a communist thought process. Uh, I wish these people would change their ideologies and forget what their grandfather voted and get with the real world here. You know, that's let me what it's all about, isn't it? It's about the ideology. It's it? all it is. It's all it is. Yeah. My great grandfather was just the way my mother voted. I mean, at some point, you've got to realize the party went over the cliff and down the hill. And I was in the trash bins of history. The communists have taken it over. So for you jackasses out there who continue to vote for the, the Democrat Party is not moderate. So forget about it if that's what you're looking for. How do you uh, or let me say street talk forget about it forget about yeah. it you know what i mean you know right yeah. that, that party has been hijacked a oh, while ago yeah for sure for sure all right this other one you had another big one this past week and i actually talked to senator ron johnson up front of the broadcast i want to touch on it with you uh, for listeners continuing resolutions resolve nothing and playing the democrats favor gop needs to stop cowering and i actually told a uh, part of that to uh senator johnson and you lay out in your piece i mean the facts are pretty startling here of the debt which he's been pretty a strong uh, advocate from the beginning of fighting this crazy debt we're 34 trillion in debt we're spending $6.2 trillion every year. We only take in $4.5 trillion. Of course, the Democrats are trying to change that by squeezing everybody more for more blood. Um, and so we have a 1.7 uh, deficit. Uh, we're bankrupt, basically. The only asset would be the ingenuity of the American people. Other than that, Uncle Sam is screwed. I mean, they got nothing. Zero, zippo, zappo. And uh, so... You know, the debt is uh, unbelievable what's happening here. So I asked him the same question. And basically, here's here's the deal. Here's the deal. He says, listen, he, he and keep in mind now, uh, Booker, he's been one of the most 
outspoken people about the debt, and he fights it all the time. And I, I do know that because we talked to him plenty over the years. I do know that. But here's the thing. He said, listen, uh, Mike Johnson has been dealt a deck of a, the, the deck of cards, whatever the deck of cards are, they've been dealt. He's got to deal with what he's got to deal with. That's what he's dealing with right now. But then I pushed back. I said, why don't they, the, you know, why don't they take a firmer stand? He said, well, trying to do that. He wanted to do a CR for the whole year. He wanted to do a budget for the whole year, not all of these quick fixes. He's tired of doing it, but he's been strong armed with the system. What do you say to that? Well, I would say that he's, I, I agree with that. I think Speaker Johnson, from the time he became Speaker, has been, you know, he he's backed into a corner. But at the same time, at what point are we going to say we, we're going to have to be fiscally responsible? $34 trillion in debt, continuing to spend $1.5 trillion more than the country takes in. We You can't keep doing that. At some point, somebody has to pay it. When do we start doing it? And the point that I was kind of making in, in that article was uh, the only leverage that the Republicans in the House of Representatives have is the power of the purse. And it's something that they talk about repeatedly, but they're not using it. And when they give that up, then they have no more leverage. And you know from business, the only way to negotiate is from a power position. And when you give up that leverage, and you have nothing. So as I look at it, with, what, 11 months left for this 118th Congress, the only accomplishment of the Republican House of Representatives is going to be raising the debt ceiling and accumulating another $3 trillion in debt. And so why now do you I, think they'll take a stand in the next few months? Because this thing is going to continue. I, I do not. I, I don't think they will. Okay, I, okay. you know, I bring up the point they should do a government shutdown to Amen. use that leverage. Amen. Amen. And if they use that leverage and then they can start clawing back the spending. And, and I think Americans at some point are going to have to realize yeah. we're going to have to tighten our belts. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. If they did that, what you just said. And they got out on the Capitol steps, Booker, and they they had the same numbers you have in the article here and said, American people, my fellow Americans, please understand this is where we're at. We can no longer do this. Please understand. We must stop this insanity today. Doesn't matter what else they say. It need, right? I mean, just have an honest conversation. What's wrong with that? Sure. Booker? Yeah. I, and I, I think it should be. Uh, that's what they should do. At, right. at some point, it's going to have to be done. If not now, when? It's, it, it, you know, for the first time ever in 2024, yeah. America is going to spend more money yeah. on the interest on the debt I than it that. will on defense. On, on defense, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 unbelievable. Well, I know I know that uh, Senator Ron Johnson is passionate about that as well, and he, he always makes that very clear and fights against it. He believes we're in a losing battle here. But to your point, they've only got a certain amount of months left in this Congress again to be able to do something. And see, here's what happens, and I explained to the senator. What happens is, Booker, is that, you see, here these clowns, they run in their campaigns. And I'm talking about clowns, meaning the Republicans, let me sure. be clear. And they run in their campaigns, well, we're not going to have any more CRs here. Yeah, we're not going to have any more CRs here. Yeah, we're going to stop those CRs here. What do you think, Fred? Yeah, we'll stop those CRs. Okay, everybody. Everybody agrees we're going to stop them. We're going to get a budget. We're going to force them to budget. And they get into power. And they do exactly what you say. They succumb to whatever the pressure is of the day. What about just doing your job? You know, they, their <laughs> job is to have a budget and appropriations, 12 of them done by the end of September. And we're in March. Right. And none of that is done. No, no, and they're no. kicking the can 
further down the road. Yeah. And we're going to have to answer for it at yeah. some point. Well, they kicked the can off the road now. It's down the freaking oh, yeah. cliff over the yeah, hill no and doubt. it's been burnt a couple of times. I mean, that kicking can shit is, uh, gets old. Anyways. And, and, and I would just point out that if they give up the leverage, the only leverage that they have currently, they have a small majority. Yeah. If they give up that leverage, then how are they ever going to do anything with the border? You know, they, they're not going to be yeah. able to negotiate on anything else when they give up that leverage. Yeah, so far he's held, the speaker has with the Ukraine funding business by securing our own border. Uh, they're not happy with it, clearly, but that has been something he's held steadfast on. Is that correct? Booker, right? So far. Yeah. So far. Yeah. We'll, we'll watch. Yeah, that's right. We'll watch this. All right. I get the point. I get the point, Your Honor. You don't have a lot of confidence at this point. Duly noted. Duly noted. I have none. I have no no confidence. All right. Stay right there, my friend. And let me bring on here now. Patricia Antone joins me on the broadcast as well. Uh, Two of my favorites right here with the Booker Scott, Patricia Antone. Uh, She's a fantastic author, activist, constitutional conservative. What's unique about Patricia is all these debates and arguments and discussions we have, she puts them against the backdrop of our Constitution. What a novel approach in America today. Wow. <laughs> all right, Patricia, let's you you had a, a very um, interesting piece. I want to talk about the 25th Amendment because you, you hit the nail on the head on an article you had this past week. Is mm-hmm. Rhino Representative Ken Buck's call for the 25th Amendment an effort to save the Democrats? Now, you had a little different spin on this, and I will say this. So there are a good part, and and, uh, there there are good many uh, Republicans right now that do do believe the 25th Amendment needs to be enacted. There are others who say it absolutely should be, and that he cannot govern, period, end stop. Uh, And and everybody knows that, but that's what they're demanding at this point. And put aside the baloney about Kamala Harris and all that nonsense, we get that. But it doesn't change the fact that this man is where he's at and decisions are not good. You have a different spin on this. You think like Ken Buck and many others, which I'm sure you can name, are doing this to, am I reading this right, to save the Democrat Party? Explain. Well, yeah. What you have to ask is why now? Um, it, it's been the case for for years that he has been senile and and unable to to make sound judgments or even find his way off stage without help. So those have been the cases for years. And so we have we have already sustained 98 percent of the damage that was done by installing a uh, senile office holder there. Yeah. And given that's the case, you have to say who benefits from removing the senile man. So you're saying why why save them person. now? Why save them now? Let them drown. I know because it, because it breathes new life into the Democrat Party. They're underwater. Interesting. And uh, and so I think and it couldn't possibly be the case that the Democrats themselves could openly turn on him, right? I mean, we can we can see that if we are we're looking closely, we can kind of see that. But but their presentation to the general public and the people who are not watching very closely needed to be, oh, those bad Republicans have have uh, finally got to our. our so guys. let them fight their own battles, you're saying, within the Democrat Party. Let them self-implode this time. Right. Well, exactly. And, and at this point, hmm. it's not it helps only the Democrats hmm. that they're pulling him out of power months before the election. That, that it's only, it only right. helps them. Right, let me let me do this. Keep, keep it right. Stay right there here. Um, Booker Scott, I, I need to get your I need you to opine on this now. She, uh, all right. So what's happening here is Patricia's taking a different point of view. You have haven't heard this point of view out there a lot. She brings up some very fascinating points. What do you say to it? Well, I think she's right on, uh, but I don't know that Ken 
I don't have a lot of faith that Ken Buck is doing this intentionally, but I think she's right on on her point. Uh, the Democrats are desperately looking for a way to get out of Joe Biden. And if the Republicans do force a 25th Amendment, then they're exactly they're they're falling into the trap that she speaks of. And I, I think it's a great point. Wow. Wow. I think you're, 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 you both bring up a really good point here. But what she's saying is that to Ken Buck, uh, some of these people may be doing it uh, because they are whatever, aiding and abetting the Democrat Party. Is that possible, Booker, uh, you think? Or? Well, I, I don't know if Ken Buck's smart enough to know that that's what he's doing. <laughs> um, but I, I don't have a whole lot of faith in, in Ken Buck. He's part of the unit party brand. You know? Yeah, I look at what he's doing in the context of what he's done. I, I, and he refused twice to impeach Mayorkas for his dereliction of duty at the border. He's refused to uh, censor Rashid, or no, uh, Rashida Tlaib for mm -hmm. her public anti-Semitism. Uh, and and oh. he's refused to censor Adam Schiff. For, for the multi-year campaign of, of basically... Well, he, he would represent, if you look up the word rhino, he would be the first one in line, no? Well, sure. And and I think that phrase has almost been overused. When somebody when somebody turns on us like that, and I think what has, happens is they they get immersed in the whole uniparty and... Well, I'm going to say to you, isn't, isn't the uniparty really just milk toast moderates that don't... They just put their finger up and they get to see which way the political winds are blown? Isn't that the definition? That's, that's how people become vulnerable. But then when they actually embrace the whole <laughs> ruling class, let's protect and further entrench the ruling class when they yeah. embrace that, then that's not a passive, uh, let's let's just put our finger in the political wind. That's a an active us against okay. them. Right. I think. All right, but you both believe, I'm, I'm hearing, you know, I just want listeners to understand, you both believe that... Uh, that uh, the Republicans, they over either overplay their hand or well underplay their hand. They're not as strategic and smart as the left is, to be sure, but that they fall into the trap, like Booker just said, to play the 25th Amendment. Now, why even put that dirty dishes in your uh, uh, purview when uh, let themselves implode over there? Because I think you're right when you say the left doesn't quite know how to get rid of him right now, but they know that they need to because he's surely not going to be able to govern another four years. All right. I want to get to this other story here in our last moments here, and that is uh, this foreign invasion uh, that you just hinted on with Mayorkas a moment ago here, Patricia. But uh, the federal government's obligation to prevent and repel foreign invasion is not a negotiating chip. Uh, and, you know, the first one to really push back in any regard is going to be the Texas governor, Greg Abbott, who has... Uh, Told the government, and you notice the federal government backed off. They didn't, they were gone. There was going to, we were really hoping there was going to be a fight. Uh, at least I was. I had my popcorn out and my extra bottle of wine. I was waiting for a fight with the federal government of the state of Texas. I love the 10th Amendment and I love states' rights to kick Uncle Sam back in the ass. Uh, Patricia, talk to us on, on that story. Yeah. Well, I, what's happened here is that under the auspices of the UN, we have a brand new. Um, definition for for what border security means, and um, and and as it turns out, there's a new story coming out too that that the that Obama actually um, introduced this into the UN, but that's that's kind of backstory. At any rate, our our purpose at the border has, under this administration is to secure safe passage for any and all who yeah. wish to come here. That's the purpose. Instead of repel. 
illicit. And so when they ask for more money, to your point, the more money is going to process and is what you're saying. It's it's going to process and new people. So the more money they get, the more damage is done. Isn't that a bitch? Isn't that something else? We don't need any further legislation and we don't need any further money in order to stop. All right. But but let's get Booker now. Patricia says we don't need any further legislation. We don't need any more money. Uh, to aid and abet this whole problem. It's an interesting, again, again, I point to you, Booker, it's a juxtaposition on an argument that not many are making. What do you say to that? Well, I've been making that argument. And let me back up a few minutes ago and let me say that Patricia now has convinced me after reminding me of Ken Buck's history that he is a Democrat operative. Maybe we can get that started. Uh, he's no longer a rhino. He's a Democrat operative. Uh, but to to the border, if you dry up the money, then the problem goes away. And and that goes all the way back to the UN spending $1.6 billion in this year. That's their budget as they think another 3 million people are coming. And of course they have 17 NGO or 17 different countries with NGOs from South America, all the way leading to Texas that is supplying money and the shoes and clothing and transportation. If all of that stopped, I bet the flow of people would stop as well. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're spot on here um, very much. All right. Thank you both very much. Uh, Booker Scott, uh, Patricia Antone, um, amazing, amazing uh, talents and um, patriots for sure here on America Out Loud. Uh, Friends, um, you know, there's so much truth to what was just discussed and what they shared with you uh, on how to stop some of the bleeding, some of the pain And this is where we need to push back against the system and not succumb to the narrative and the false media uh, headlines that are all over the place because they they twist and they 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 twist and fabricate everything. And then we get into more trouble, which we pointed out top of the broadcast as well. Very much so. Now, uh, please read them weekly. Uh, Booker Scott, uh, Patricia Antone, terrific writers. And be sure to read them constantly here. Uh, Patricia, by the way, is also co-hosting uh, now, or she is host, actually, of one of the days on Unleash the Political News Hour. Uh, she is, uh, I meant to mention that earlier, and uh, she, so she's on there, uh, and you can catch her uh, on I- every Tuesday, I believe it is, uh, and um, although I better verify that and look it up right now so I don't step into a pile of you-know-what. Uh, so as I talk to you there, uh, we have some great hosts on Unleashed. It is Tuesday, the Political News Hour. Uh, check out uh, that. There's different hosts each day, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, which is right after Booker Scott, by the way, at 6 p.m. as well. And also, by the way, I've got that show I did with the National Police Association with Sergeant Betsy Smith, Lieutenant Dave Smith on the state of crime in America. That was on the Voice of a Nation on Saturday. Be sure to listen to that broadcast. I tell a very personal, private story in there, which will uh, which will move you, I think. It will, will inspire you to know what the problem is here when it comes to crime in America. I'm not going to get into it now. But uh, that is on podcast on Sunday afternoon on AmericaOutloud.news. Friends, we say at the top there, many voices, one freedom, united in the First Amendment. That's our mission, and we're sticking to it. And thank you for joining me on the mission here. It's time to get involved and get loud, America. America.